0: So I grew up in a preacher's home. I grew up going to church uh, every Sunday that I can remember. And, and, and growing up in church gave me a, a sense of familiarity with Scripture. It gave me a sense of familiar, familiarity with God's people. It, it helped me have a sense from the very beginning, I guess, of, of my life, of, of what it was that I was trying to do as a Christian, I had a pretty basic understanding when I was 13 and I got baptized. And that understanding was, was not something that I think the church was, was trying to, to give me. It wasn't something I think my parents were, were trying to communicate to me. It was an understanding that what God wanted from me more than anything else was for me to be perfect at following God's rules. That that is what I was, was promising to do and be when I got baptized. That I, I, I was, was going to do everything in my power to never make a moral mistake again. And I've told you before, I think I made it all of maybe less than 24 hours before one of my sisters did something that caused me to stumble. Right. That That, that whole project of trying to be perfect at following the rules... However it got into my head, uh, it, it found its way into my heart, and I couldn't let it go. And I was, was honest enough with myself to, to realize that I was far from perfect. And yet I felt like that was the, the promise I had made. And so I had this constant wrestling match going on in my heart and my soul about what it was God was asking me to be and do as a Christian, what I was capable of, what I was able to do. So I remember a a very specific end of a year in my early teen years where I I went to my dad as as we were launching into a new year, and I was talking to him about all of the ways in that past year that I had fallen short that I knew of, all the ways that I had messed up and made mistakes, and and I was kind of having this long confessional conversation with him, and... And it finally dawned on my dad that I really, I really did think that I, I had to be perfect in order to please God. And he said, son, it's, it's so good that deep in your heart and your soul you want to please God. But if you think the way you're going to do that is by being perfect every second of every day, you're, you're never going to be at peace with God. You're never going to be at peace with yourself. You're never going to be comfortable in your own skin. And God wants you to have a sense of peace. God wants you to know how much he loves you and and knows all of the ways that you fall short and yet loves you anyway. And it's God's love that's going to change you, son. It's, It's not that you're going to change yourself in order to earn God's love. You've got it all out of order and mixed up. And then he, he sent me to Philippians chapter 3. And that's where I want us to start this morning as we begin this new year together. Because he pointed out to me that the Apostle Paul, somebody who in many ways was, was better at anybody else that, that Paul knew of at least, at following all the rules, he came to a point in his life where he realized that really wasn't what God wanted from him. It wasn't what God wanted for him. That as people who are following Jesus... The thing that we should be trying to to aim the rest of our lives at is not moral perfection through our own effort because that is impossible. But it is rather a relationship with Jesus where we don't just know about him, but we know him deeply. We We know what he wants for us. And we know what he's calling us and empowering us to be and do through that love. He says, Paul, I want to know Christ. Really know him. Yes, to, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Okay, so, so Paul says right here, that even though earlier in his life, and you can read this earlier in Philippians chapter 3, he, he really thought it was all about practicing religion in such a way where he was perfect at following the rules. He gets to the place where he says, I, I realize because of Jesus' grace that, that all I really need to be focused on with every fiber of my being is knowing Jesus better. And that in knowing Jesus better, I will become like Jesus. Right. That This is consistent with Paul. He doesn't believe that Jesus just died in order to get God to forgive us. He believes that Jesus died in order for us to experience salvation. And forgiveness is a part of salvation, but it's not the entirety of it. Because Jesus doesn't just forgive us, Jesus gives us the ability through a partnership with him of being transformed, of becoming like him. And that if we really want to be saved, it's not just about our mistakes being covered over. It's about us becoming less like ourselves and more like him. And he continues, Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me, right? I haven't fully become like Christ, the one I'm following, the one I want to know more than anything else. But I'm going to keep holding on to that that pursuit because it's the reason Jesus came and took hold of every single one of us. One thing I do, Paul says, forgetting what is behind, forgetting the mistakes, right? Forgetting all the things that I used to think mattered more than Jesus, I now realize the one thing that matters is Jesus, Forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Right Now that prize is not some reward in addition to being closer and closer to Jesus. Jesus is the reward. Jesus is the prize, both a relationship with Jesus and becoming more and more like Jesus. He says, all of us then who are mature, mature disciples, should take such a view of things. And then I've always loved this aside from Paul. (laughs) And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. I'm pretty sure Paul is certain he's going to be the instrument God uses to make it clear that you're mistaken, right? (laughs) Only let us live up to what we have already attained. So as we think about our our mission as a church and that that phrase of making everyday disciples, and and we kind of overlay it onto this passage of Scripture where the the Apostle Paul is talking about what it's like to be a disciple who understands that we're always on this journey of becoming more and more like Jesus. There's a couple of things he says in this passage that I I want us to highlight this morning. The first thing that I think is really important is that he embraces this honesty that that really comes across as humility. He knows, as he looks at his life, as far as he's come. And and again, if you'll take the time to read his letter to the Philippians, you're going to find that Paul is thankful for the journey that he's taken from where he used to be to, to the place he is now. And all of it's a journey of grace because he's realized he was trying to create that pathway himself, and it was leading him only back to himself, but now Jesus has broken into his life and is creating this pathway of grace that's taking him to a new place that he he couldn't even imagine on his own. He sees the distance between his everyday life experience, the the ways that he interacts with people, the the kinds of things that, that he wrestles with in his own life, and he because of grace, has the courage to say to anyone who will listen, look, I still have a long way to go. Now, let's go back to my 13-year-old self, right, who got baptized because I thought I was supposed to be really good at practicing the Christian religion, by which I meant following all the rules perfectly. The last thing somebody who's trying to be perfect wants to admit to anybody is that they're failing at being perfect. And so one of the easiest Lines of self-deception that we can fall into if we get mistaken about all this is we try to convince ourselves and everybody else that we have arrived. And Paul says no. No, that, that kind of self-deception, it may start off where, where you're trying to convince somebody else of that, but over time you may actually fool yourself into believing it, that, that you're there that you checked all the, the boxes, that you, you've done everything you need to do, that you have the best possible understanding anybody's ever had about what it means to be a Christian, and so now all you really need to do is, is wait for Jesus to come back. Paul, Paul doesn't talk like that. Again, as somebody who believes he's come a long way, he says he still has a long way to go. And we all need to have places in our lives where we're willing to be honest with ourselves and the people we're closest to to say, look, I see all these places where Jesus has helped me become more like him, but I also see these other places where I'm not nearly enough like Christ. We need to Im- imitate Paul in this, this way of having this honest humility. Okay. The, the next thing that I want to point out quickly that, that Paul talks about is this, this maintaining of the, the transformation that's happened right, the character development that, that's taken place. He says in the very last verse that we read this morning, look, we may not all agree on everything. Uh, we we may be at different places in our journey of, of becoming a faithful follower of Jesus, but let us live up to what we've a- attained. Now, of course, he doesn't mean on our own without God's help. When When Paul's talking in this context, he obviously means let us live up to the the, the, the transformation that God has made possible in our lives. Let's hold on to it because we're partnering intentionally. We're committed followers of Jesus, which means we're partnering with Jesus in this journey. And the last thing we want to do in our journey of faith is to think that we can, we can just stop focusing on the, the areas of our lives where we have received healing. Right? We want to be thankful for that healing, but we want to hold on to it. Because if you're anything like me, not only do we have to admit at times that we fall short of, of the mark, but we may look up at the end of one year, that threshold of, of the end of one year and going into the next, and we may have to admit that we've, we've not maintained, that we've actually regressed in some of the places of our lives that we look less like Jesus in some ways than we used to. Paul says, no, we want to be people who hold on to the transformation that's taken place. And and finally, uh, no matter how far he's come, he comes back to this theme over and over again, and that is, he doesn't care how close he is to Christ. He wants to be closer. He always wants to be closer. And it's not so much, I think, about just being honest about those places, but it's having a deep desire every single day to experience the goodness and the grace that comes from being like Jesus. Jesus doesn't just live the way of life that he embraces because it's the only way of life that's going to make salvation available to all of us. That's true. But he also lives that way because it is the very best way to have a life of meaning and purpose. And we want to be people who experience the goodness of that life as well. And so we seek always to be closer and closer to Jesus, both relationally and in the manner in which that we follow his example. So we've talked about this central conviction we have as a church, right? That that we want to be everyday disciples. And what that means is that we want to submit every aspect of who we are to the lordship of Jesus. And and last year we spent three months, two two and a half months or so, walking through all of these various aspects of life. And I just want to quickly cover in a few minutes what we talked about over several weeks. And so it may feel like we're moving a little bit uh, more quickly than, than we usually would, and, and for, for those of you who were here last year, it'll be a good uh, re- reminder, you know, it's been a year, uh, for, for those of you who may be new, this gives you a brief introduction into what we mean when we say we want every aspect of our lives to be brought under the lordship of Jesus, and we don't want to just tell everybody, yeah, good luck with, with, with partnering with God and changing everything about you all at once, because that's overwhelming, but if we can break our lives into some categories that, that make sense and we can think through, okay, how in this aspect, in this area of my life am I going to pursue Jesus, then that's what it looks like. So let's quickly walk through those now. Okay, the first is home life. And, and we talked about uh, last year, and we've talked about since then this idea that, that what's difficult in our home life is while we spend so much of our time there, we can actually take that time for granted And we can get to the place where we're not really awake to all the ways that God is present with us and and God is really calling us to see and experience that presence and and to help other people who we share life with the most experience God's presence and experience the way God is working in our lives and in their lives and our life together. You know, one of the, the most difficult things that, keeps happening to us as, as people is it seems that, that every year there's a longer list of ways to be distracted. And that's especially true when it comes to your home life with the people who you, you get to spend the most amount of time with outside of work or, or outside of other commitments that you have. It's becoming more and more difficult for us not just to sense God's presence but to be present to and with one another. I, I, this past year, chose to, to commit to work on home life because I, I feel this constant push and pull. There's so many things that, that I feel like I need to try to do and so many places I feel like I need to be that when I'm with Lauren and the girls and we're together, I have to make choices. I, I, I need help in making better choices and how to be present to them. To see God at work in them. To see how God is working in our family. And and this isn't just a family thing. All of us have people who are like home to us. All of us have people who we get to spend a lot of time with. And the question is, how are we using that time to help draw one another closer to Jesus? Another side of this is, the people you spend the most time with see you at your best, and let's just say, at not your best. Right? We don't just take the time for granted, we can take them for granted. And it's great to let your guard down. It's not great for those people to constantly get the the tired you and the stressed out you and the frustrated you. How can we be Christ to one another in our home life? The the second aspect of life that we talked about was love life and and, and you know what does it mean to be a disciple who's in a romantic relationship with someone else and and how does that romantic relationship how is it a part of of what it means to follow Jesus and and at least in some very simple way it means that Jesus has to be at the heart at the center of every romantic la- relationship that we're engaged in that we relate to one another through our relationship with Jesus that we're not just in love with that other person but we're trying to we're trying to show them that that love is going to take the, the shape of sacrificial self-giving, right? And the words that, that Scripture comes back to time and again in various ways is promise or vow or covenant love. It's a love that, that's there no matter what is going on. It's a love that you can build a life on. And, and in our culture, there's almost no relationship that, that our world would call unconditional, Right? There's conditions on everything. Um, and if I'm not getting what I want out of this relationship, if you're not helping me feel the way I want to feel about myself when I'm with you, people in our world tend to pretty quickly say, you know what, I'm going to move on to a different relationship. But not, not disciples of Jesus who are trying every day to be more like him. We, we stick it out. We keep our word. And I know there's extreme situations where covenants are broken, but they need to be extreme situations and not just that I'm not getting out of the relationship what I thought I was going to get. Covenant love is not seeking to get. It is always seeking to give. What would it mean for you to focus this year on loving someone you're in love with that way? Uh, we, we talked about work life, right? We're not just talking about career life here. All of us exert energy and effort to accomplish things in our everyday lives. That's work. Okay? And, and we talked about this idea that we need to see what we're doing, our work, as worship. And that that's all about a perspective. And the Apostle Paul is the one who talks about this uh, as much as anybody in Scripture, where he points out that you, know, you don't always get to choose your work, but you can choose how you see your work. And you can make the decision, as a follower of Jesus, to say, Whatever I do, I choose to do it for Him. I choose to do it for God. And that changes everything about how we not only see our work, but throw ourselves into work because it becomes a form of worship, it becomes a form of service and ministry to the people for whom we're working. We gotta be careful. You know, in our world, work can become its own idol. Work can become this, this false promise that, that if you work and you accomplish and, and you're able to, to be seen as someone who's successful, then your life's going to be worth living. That, that's actually placing an unhealthy focus on work. But if we can submit all of our work to the greater kingdom work of God, we find that we live a life where we are, are becoming true servants of the the living God, wherever we are, whatever we're doing. What would it look like this year for you to focus especially on this? If you're somebody who spends a lot of your time working, serving, trying to accomplish things and get things done, what would it look like for that to be something that you're doing as worship? We talked about financial life. It's the one that for a lot of folks may be one of the more uncomfortable things to talk about even in church. Again, so many of these things can become their own false idol. We can start to think that if we could just get enough financial resources, well then suddenly our life is going to be the life we've always wanted. And I can promise you, you know this already, by watching the lives of people who have far more financial resources than they could ever possibly spend in one lifetime or maybe 20. It makes a poor God. Right? It. It doesn't give them the kind of life that they truly want. And the same is true for us. And yet we can utilize the financial resources that we've been given to serve God's agenda in this world. To make this world more like the world God hoped it would be when he first said those words, let there be light. Right, that he has a dream that he's never let go of, where, where people who've been blessed with financial resources are good stewards of it, and they work to bless the lives of other people who don't yet have enough. And that one of the best things we can possibly do, Jesus says, is live a life of generosity, because it is more blessed to give than to receive. And yet we hear something else from our world every single day. So we come back every single day as everyday disciples, and we recommit ourselves to this idea that that with all that we've been given, how can we manage it? How can we steward it so that we can become a blessing to other people? And and we talked about this idea that it's not really about the amount. It's about how much it costs us, how much it asks of us. Because if we're going to be more like Jesus, we have to find ways where we choose sacrifice, not where we're forced to it, but where we choose it freely for the sake of other people. We talked about our social life, and this is one of the largest categories because it's basically, it's, it's the aspect of our life where we're relating to, to just about everybody, our neighbors, right? The people that we, we happen to share not only our community, but our world with. And I really want to underscore the, the conviction that if, if, you're, if you have any, any ability to access the, the current state of things from a, from a data standpoint of how Christianity is going, especially in North America, you find that the attendance numbers across the boards are plummeting, right? That Christianity in North America has hit a, a, a time and a season that is far different than anything that's come in recent memory. And what that means is there's more and more people who don't really have a meaningful relationship with the church community. And while church is not the only place where we experience Christ, church should be a faithful place where we experience Christ, where we're drawn closer and closer into relationship with him, which means church absolutely matters. And yet it's harder and harder for people to understand that. And we want to help them experience the goodness of Christian community, right? And so one of the things that's, that's changed, at least in my lifetime, is it's, it's no longer going to be a model of you'll build it and they'll come. We have to go to them. We have to spend time with them. We have to develop relationships with them. We have to invite people into this place and into our lives. And if we wait for them to make the first move, we are failing our calling as God's people. And I know it's different than it used to be. I know it means we're going to have to develop new skills that maybe make us uncomfortable or, or just the thought of reaching out to people. We're not sure exactly how that's going to go because part of it is we have to relinquish control. We have to relinquish always having home field advantage, and yet it's who God has always called us to be, people who seek and save, those who don't have a meaningful relationship with Christ and with Christian community. We, as a, as a church family, I feel like of, of all of these, these different aspects of discipleship life, we have this year made up a lot of ground when it comes to social life, in, in loving our neighbors, especially within a one-mile radius of this building, but, but in every aspect of wherever we are. We have really dedicated ourselves to this, and I, I want to praise you for that. I'm proud of all the things that people have done this year to reach out to, to our neighbors, to show them the goodness and the love of Christ. If you didn't do that this year, or if it was something you weren't able to focus on, what would it be like if you took that opportunity this year? Okay, we talked about soul life, and and this is different than just spiritual life because all of these aspects of our lives are spiritual, right? But we all have an inner life that we've got to work on, that we've got to cultivate, and we kind of talked about this idea of having a, a soil in our souls, right? That we can't make things grow, not even in our own inner lives, we We can cultivate that soil of our souls, anticipating that together through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, God will help grow Jesus Christ within us. That it won't just be a single decision we make, but it'll be a lifestyle of of breaking up that soil and keeping it ready and waiting for whatever it is God wants to do in us and through us. Uh, And And we have all kinds of different opportunities when we gather together for this to happen. Uh, But it can't only happen here, right? You can be trained here, but in order for us every single day to have that kind of, of submission, that kind of openness to what Jesus wants to do within us, we have to work at it over and over and over again. What would it look like for this year to be the year that you really develop some practices to keep cultivating that soil of your soul? And finally, we talked about body life, which is not typically something that, that I hear a lot of people talk about at church, but God gave us souls and God gave us bodies, and everything God gives us, he, he hopes that we'll steward faithfully. And we talked about, about this idea that, that we need to do what we can to pursue physical wellness so that we can, we can actively serve other people the way Jesus actively served other people, and I don't know where, where you're starting out in that journey. That may be something you're drawn to. It may be something you think, come on, I'd rather just have a longer list of memory verses. Don't ask me to, to take care of myself. I, I don't know where you are and all that. But the reality is we have, we have these opportunities in our everyday experiences to roll up our sleeves and help somebody in some way. And if we're too stressed out, too anxious, too exhausted, uh, too too occupied to ever be able to actively serve other people, that has an impact on our, our ability to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. So this year may be the year. I think I'm switching from home to body life, by the way, uh, this year. I just I, I, I don't have enough focus on having balance in my life so that when I come across unexpected opportunities to serve, I respond well, right? I'm spread too thin. I haven't slept enough, and it, it, it impacts me in ways that I don't realize until after I've had an opportunity, and it passes, and I realize, you know what, I, I'm not really in a place where I want to be to respond out of, out of a healthy place to those kinds of curveballs that, that all of us experience in our schedules every single week. Okay, so... That's all seven of the aspects we talked about, right? We know them. Uh, and what we're wanting you to do as we, as we continue to ask you to consider in 2020, where are you going to focus? I want you to keep clear that this isn't some sort of spiritual self-help program. We're not just doing this so that we can, as individuals, be blessed. The horizon is always other people, so we're doing this, we're making this commitment, we make all of our commitments to Christ for the sake of other people as well. That's, that's a key piece of what it means to become more and more like Jesus. Jesus didn't just come to the earth and live his life for himself, he came to give his life away for other people. And so we do these things so that we can be transformed, so that we can help not just our, our, our own journeys of discipleship, but we can help other people. Maybe become disciples for the first time. Be made into disciples. And if they're already disciples, help them draw closer to Jesus for their good, for, for everybody's good. And, and one of the ways I want you to think about this this year, it's just a simple uh, image here of, of all seven of those categories. And if you, you think about the, the lighter color being that we're just starting to be shaped in, in all seven of these, these different pathways of discipleship, right? we have this ongoing cycle Where we're becoming, and then at some point we we get to the place where we're not just becoming, but we're getting to make other people, to mentor other people, to journey alongside of other people in these same different pathways to help them experience what it would be like for them to follow Jesus more faithfully in this aspect of who they are. It never stops. Just as, as Paul said, we can always be closer, we can always grow deeper, but as we grow deeper, we have more and more ability to help other people, wherever they are, get closer to Jesus too. Okay, so if you got a bulletin this morning, hopefully you saw there's an insert there. There's tons of information, and you may have already been uh, perusing it while I've been talking. That's, that's okay. Okay. Uh, but I want you, if you haven't looked at it, take some time this week, look at it. It gives you a sense of these these seven uh, different training paths that you can take this year. And I want to be real uh, clear with you about this. One of the the most regular uh, aspects of this this training has been a weekly email that goes out that's personalized for each one of these, these discipleship categories. If you didn't sign up for one last year, I really want to encourage you to sign up for one this year. It's between 40 and 50 personalized emails throughout the year that are going to help you move one step closer to who you want to be in Jesus Christ in that area. And, and I want to be clear about this. Um, we're, we're going to be asking you to, to take the card that's in your chair, uh, look this over, we're going to be accepting these cards starting today, but we'll accept them every, every Sunday this month, right? We want to give you some time to think about it. And if you're already ready to commit, that's great. If you need some time, take some time. Talk as a family. Think about what is it that, that you want to do? How do you want to grow specifically this year? Okay, but what I, what I really want you to think through is it's, it's, it's important for us as human beings to have moments where we formally commit. And we asked you to commit for 2019 to something, and we're asking you to commit in this year. And if you were already receiving those emails, or if you already committed last year, and you think, you know what, I want to stay with that same thing. Last year, you know, I was with, signed up for Home Life. I still want to work on that. If you want to receive the emails throughout 2020, you're going to need to recommit. Okay. We're going to start those emails up in February, the first week of February, so you've got a little time here to make a decision, but if you want to make a choice, you've got to recommit uh, in order for us to send you personalized communication and for you to get that, that weekly devotional email. What aspect of your life are you going to commit to this year? Where is it in your life that you feel like God is calling you to make changes, to be transformed, to experience salvation? got these cards. They're going to be available all month. We already have uh, black boxes throughout the building where you can turn those cards in. I want you to go through the old-fashioned experience of filling out a card. I know a lot of us may end up signing up online. I really want you to go through filling out a card because there's something about it. And in our, our home, we kept the, the bottom portion of the card throughout the year, Riley, Uh, My daughter has it pinned to her pegboard in her bedroom. I see it every time I walk in that in 2019 she wanted to grow in her social life. Right? And she did in a lot of different ways. She was able to serve her neighbors and get to know more people in this year. And she's thinking about what she's going to sign up for next year. That's another thing I want to be clear. This isn't just an adult thing. This is for everybody in our church family. And if you have a young child uh, who's wanting to sign up, Sign up your email for them. You'll get that email on behalf. You can get more than one email as a parent. You can sign up for yourself. Sign up for them in the area that they want to grow in. Read that email to them. Help them think through how they're going to grow in that aspect of their discipleship life. If you're a student, please, we want you to be a part of this experience as well. How do you want to draw closer to Jesus in this year? We all make decisions about priorities. At the beginning of a year, we make decisions every single day about what's going to matter most to us. This needs to matter most to us, becoming more like our Savior and our friend. We're going to sing together now, and as we do, our shepherds and their spouses will be out in our church lobby. They're there to receive you, to pray with you, to talk with you. If you came this morning with any concern at all that a Christian community could help you with, please go to those couples as together we stand and sing.